Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm KJ, your host. And today I got a very cool special guest. His name is Steve Apodakan. I've known Steve a real long time. He's family. Actually, his dad is my cousin and you're the son of my cousin. So we're cousins. Um, and, and what I'm excited about today with you, Steve, is that I love to interview millennials. And especially I love to uh, interview millennials that I know that you're out there in their workforce and you're making a difference. You're making money. And we're going to hear your story and hopefully we're going to inspire some people. Um, I know some of your story early. I kind of know where you're at now. And I think, um, again, as you guys all know, everybody's journey is different with money. And we're talking about money today and what we do and how we can help you. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, cousin. I appreciate that. So, you know, I, I typically start the show with, you know, I, I know what you do for a living. Go ahead and tell the audience what you actually do for a living. I'm an independent, uh, oh gosh, and it's so encompassing, but uh, I run an actual uh, independent uh, life insurance agency. So um, difference is captive. You can offer one solution, independent, we can offer as many under the sun. So I took that route just to be able to offer a better portfolio, more options and flexibilities for my clients. Excellent. Excellent. So you're helping people. Right. Absolutely. What you do makes a difference. What Steve does, we all need. And not everybody has it, though. Right. Um, sometimes because of affordability, sometimes because they don't really, truly understand the products that you offer. And we'll get into a little bit of that later. But let's start with um, you are a millennial. So I know that you're what? Early 30s. 38. 38. So actually, a millennial, so I have you're, a different perspective. You're right right at the top. So let's talk to the people. I want you to talk to us about, I want you to, as far back as your memory will take you anyway, um, when you figured out what to do with money, how old were you when you were like, you know what, that's money, and I get to trade that for this? How old were you when you kind of figured that out? The basics, childhood. But I didn't really have a healthy respect for money until my early 30s. Wow. So, well, let's define that healthy respect, which means, right, at the age when you were growing up. And can you remember what your first job was? Oh, God. Construction. Right. Family business, landscaping. Right. Um, and so what was your relationship with money? Spend, make money to spend it. That's all. That's all, all monetary, you know. Yeah. So your mindset was that I'm going to make money so I can buy the things that I want. Pretty much. That's all. It was super basic. It wasn't a tool. It wasn't an, a, a, an asset, a resource. It was just, I need A to get B. So talk to me about, let's tell the audience, in your journey, at what point were you and what triggered you to learn about money and how to best use it? And now you were saying that you, know, you were like close to 30, but before that, who talked to you, if anybody about money? Uh, it's interesting. Um, you know, my father, right. very fiscally responsible, probably one of the most financially responsible person, people that I know on this planet. Right. Um, unfortunately I didn't have the opportunity to grow up under that umbrella or in that environment. Um, so by the time I had some sort of relationship with him, it was, Hey, you need to establish credit. You need to make, you know, get a better job. You need to make more money. So the concept was there from him, but the how to's were missing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I had to go through a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, especially being a, a young parent. I started having children at 20. Right. So um, by the time I hit 31, I was too, I was already at my wits end about money and I had to uh, have a complete, a complete um, 
what do they call it? A paradoxal or a paradigm paradigm shift. shift. Uh I had to have a paradigm shift when it came to money. And that's when that happened at about age 30, gosh, 33, 34. Yeah. You see, this is why I talk about money. This is why I have a workshop. This is why I'm building my program because so many people, right, need your help. So you basically wandered financially aimlessly for 12, 14, 15 years. Bag in the wind. You know what I mean? Because you didn't know. And, And the thing with parents, right, because we would all want to believe that our parents teach us all about everything we need to know in life, including money. And the fact of the matter is, I know through just thousands of conversations, parents can't teach teach what parents don't know, right? And although we all have great intentions, right? And if we don't break it down, and you were saying, sharing with how your dad, you know, for him, he's one of the most responsible people with money that you know. And Maybe it's old school. Maybe it's we don't know the reasons why parents are not teaching their kids what I like to call the fundamentals of financial literacy, which is what I teach the fundamentals. I'm not here to be your financial advisor and tell you what to do with your money. There's experts for that. Right. Mm -hmm. What I want to teach and what I try to find out through these types of conversations, how and why are you where you are? Right. Well, how did you become this way? And in your case, which is, listen, you're very normal for what you just described. This is very normal Mm -hmm. out there, Mm -hmm. Um, which unfortunately took 10 or 12 years of your life to figure it out. And if you understand the rule of 72, that cost you a lot of money. It cost me a lot of future money. It cost you a lot of future money. So those things are really important. So share with us when you were, you know, working, you became a young parent. How did it start to try to make a little shift? What did you think? Where did you start to learn this stuff? Well, let me give a piece of advice first. Um, while we're on the subject of, you know, saying and not doing or teaching. Right. Right. So a matter of fact, I had this conversation with my father because there was a point in time where he, you know, came down on me about this. And I said, look, the best way to put it, especially in parental um, parental language is, for example, you have a child and you say, I need you to go clean up your room. And I don't want you leaving that room until it's clean. Well, they come out a half an hour later and you come in and inspect it and it's still dirty. And you say, what did I tell you? I said to clean your room. I need it picked up, you know, spotless, whatever the case may be, right? You close the door and you come back 30 minutes later and it's still the same. Well, what did the parent do wrong there? They never took the time to say, okay, little Johnny, your toys go here, your clothes go there, your dirty laundry goes here. Everything has its place. Right. When you clean up your room, this is how it's supposed to be done. That's where the, that's where the, the gap was. That's the disconnect. I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Son, establish credit, establish, you know, savings and, you know, um, uh, utilize money as a tool. All of those things that we're supposed to do, but I never got the how to's. Uh That's where that disconnect is. So if, if anybody's listening and you're sitting there, you know, coming down on the people, you know, in your circle of influence, it's it go it has to go way above and beyond just saying you need to do this. Well, great. Thank you for that. But. Give me some how to's, give me some nuggets, you know, something tangible, something that I can actually do with. I, I think the, the mindset for the parent is you better turn into a coach. You know, if, if we all go join the basketball team, right, the coach and you're just starting, let's say you're 10 years old and your parents like, yeah, hey, I'm going to go learn how to play basketball. Dad, he's like, all right, great. Let's go to school. There's a coach who's going to teach you. Well, the coach is going to teach you the fundamentals first, right? Is there in any sport that you play, we've got to learn the fundamentals. And so financial literacy is the fundamentals of money and what we need to learn how to do. Great analogy that you just laid out there that can put things in perspective to folks that are out there. Like, yeah, they told me what to do, but they didn't show me how to do it. I mean, there's a huge difference there. That's the big disconnect. Um, I love that. I love that. So, what happened? It sounds like. So you just went time. I mean, time took place roughly, let's say 10 years um, where you're like, well, okay, tell me, but I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how, at what, at what point did you figure out, you know what? I got to figure out how, what does he really mean when he says, says, save? what does he really mean when he says, keep a good, keep your credit good? What does that mean? How do I do that? Tell me about how that came about. So my path to uh, financial literacy was, it, it, it was, it's unique, I guess you can say. Um, I, I had, I was at my wits end at, in my early thirties. Um, I guess I can go, I'll, I'll give a little backstory. So 16 year, uh, 
landscaping uh, background myself, third generation, right? right. We've been in, we've done this for a long time in in, in the Vegas Valley. Um, I took over Dad's company, and I thought this is it. I'm just going to carry the torch, right? Well, he says, hey, it's time for me to hang up the boots, but I'm liquidating. I'm taking my assets and I'm heading for the sunset. Right. He says, you, you might want to find a job. <laughs> and um, it was a shell shock at first, but I said, okay, well, at least I have the experience. And I just kept going from place to place, kind of figuring things out. And um, finally, after the last crash, uh, the OA crash, I had just landed a job with a quasi-government agency, the Water District, and um, they laid, laid off 100 people. Even people with 20-year um, backgrounds were just gone in the click of a button. And so um, I decided to go into corporate structure. I, um, all I knew my whole life was, was construction. I said, well, this isn't, you know. This isn't working for me. Place to be, especially it, you know, it's it's up and down. It's not consistent. Now you can make a lot of money, but if if you're smart with your money, mm-hmm. then you can, you know, you can hash it out long term, right? right? But with the uh, the you know the constant ups and high highs and the low lows, to me it just wasn't sustainable to raising a young family. So I decided, well, let me try out this corporate gig that everybody talks about, where you can retire with a gold watch and a pension and ride off into the sunset when you're in your sixties, right? Right. So went into corporate. Uh, my first year, I must have uh, wowed wowed everybody to, to you know to the hills because um, I got like the biggest increase in in salary in, in company history, fifteen percent, while everybody else was getting two. So they were pretty up, upset at that, right? Right. But I, I applied my work ethic from construction and what we were taught as in our family, mm-hmm. and um, did really well with that for three years. They started dangling the carrot. They dangled that carrot. And they said, hey, it's not a matter of, of if, but it's when we're going to put you in for upper management, you know, higher salary, longer vacations, uh, stock options, bonus. And I said, well, this is going to be my golden ticket. Right. Right. Didn't happen. Um, eventually, uh, uh, long story short, they gave my position to somebody that was sexually active with management. Ah. So. Um, at that point, that's when I decided that was my last def- life defining moment. I said, look, something has to change. So that's when I became a quote unquote entrepreneur. I, I, I sat on my couch after I fired my boss. I said, look, if this is the way I have to co- climb the corporate structure, I'm not sleeping with you. That's for sure. Right. So I said, I'm out of here. I fired my boss and I swore I would never go back to a job again. I said, um, it, it was almost like breaking out of prison and you look in the rear view mirror and you see the cops coming after you I said, I'm not going back. Right. So I'm sitting on my couch, um, living off the rest of my savings, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And, uh, I finally got a call from somebody that worked in financial services. And, um, luckily my wife answered because if I would have, I probably would have hung up on him. So <laughs> she answers the phone. He says, I got an, uh, you know, looking for Steve. If he's looking for an opportunity, um, I'd like to interview him. She says, Oh, interview. He's been sleeping on the couch for three months. You know, it's time for him to get up and pull his pants up. Right. Right. So, um, I went in for an interview. Now, long story short, I got roped into some MLM type of deal, but it was enough to get me in to plant my flag. Um, and they did teach the basics. It was, um, short-term savings, investments, Debt, um, you know, getting out of debt and then the the, the financial um, foundation would, would have been life insurance. So that's what really got me started on to the, you know, financial uh, literacy. And at the same time, it was my break to be able to live the life that I wanted to on my I could work on on my own terms. I can make as much or as little as I wanted to. Um, and so I had pretty much now I had a, a wide open, not like I didn't even have a ceiling anymore, you know? So, um, so I figured, Hey, great. I can learn these principles of finances and teach them at the same time. And I don't have a ceiling. Sign me up. And I've been doing this now six years. Yeah. No, Six no, great for you. Ago. So, I mean, if, so if we take some lessons from your story, right? Um, and again, um, I there's listeners out there, and I got listeners all over the world now. And we have to remember, right? Anytime that you trade time for money for somebody, there's going to be a ceiling of what you're going to make. 
It's their determination. You become an entrepreneur, there is the ceiling's gone. You can make whatever you want. It's how much you put into it and the value that you're going to give back to the world. Now, that being said, when you figured that out, because, you know, you had some uh, years there where you thought things were looking good. And like you said, this was going to be your your golden ticket to some sort of retirement down the road. Um, and you learn lessons along the way with the lessons that you were learning, because I talked to a lot of other folks and, you know, so we're clear that, you know, parents didn't really give you the financial literacy base that you were, uh, you know, today that you hoped they would have, or you, we all would be in a different position. Um, but I think with you learning out there being what I call proactive, in wanting to learn this. And it was, it sounds to me almost stumbled. It wasn't that you were being proactive, learning how to do all the right things with your money. You were looking for a job. Um, you, you came up across a, 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 a position that taught you financial literacy, the fund of just the really basics of it. And you kind of ran with it from there. So my question, it really is as you were starting to run from it or run, you know, to, to learn all this stuff, how much time and effort did you put being proactive into learning everything you could about financial literacy, money, and how you would finish your life race with money? Great question. Um, think of it as a uh, rocket ship analogy. Mm-hmm. How much fuel does it take to get out of orbit, right, right out of the atmosphere? 85% of the fuel, just in a few matter of a few minutes, just to get off. Once you're up in in in, uh, in space, you know you can cruise control the rest of the way off with less than ten percent of your fuel, right? Once I figured out a that I first and foremost, Kevin, one the the main thing that I realized was the value of time. Mm. Not only because I had lost time, but also when it comes to things like the rule of seventy two, when you lose time, it's it's you know it's the number one commodity on earth that will never ever come back to you no matter how big your bank account is you're never getting time back so that was the first realization to me is that i had lost by then i was what 30 32 33 ish in my eyes i had lost almost 20 years because i've been working since i was 14 years old mm-hmm. so having to first and foremost i had to forgive myself for for losing that much time in ignorance and again it wasn't i don't want to say it was my fault right right um, oh for sure but at the same time i still took a self-accountability that hey the, the knowledge was out there the information was out there i just never took the time to slow down and even search for it so i had to forgive myself for losing that much time let me pause right there i love that you just said that because there's so many people out there that beat that beat themselves up, right? The fact that you acknowledged that it wasn't your fault, you just won the battle. You haven't won the war yet, but you won the battle. It wasn't your fault, right? And it wasn't your fault. Um, and, and we don't want to blame anybody, right? Uh, we do have to take accountability for all our actions, right? right? And we're talking about money today. And you, you you beat your head up against the wall for those in your 20s years, you know, trying to run a business and do all these other things. And when you figured out time is our most valuable asset, period, won't, there is nothing more valuable. Right. Um, you, you, you relieved yourself of that, that it wasn't your fault because you would be surprised how many people can't not crawl out of that, that self-sabotage hole. That they believe I'm such an idiot. How did I know? Note this. It's all my fault. I should have learned. But no, it's not your fault, guys. Remember, parents can't teach what parents don't know. So one, right. we can't blame parents. Can't right. do it. Hopefully, hopefully somewhere in, in your journeys out there, you're either going to one, maybe get a mentor. You're going to get a boss. You're going to get a friend, someone that's going to trigger it. You got a trigger around that young 30 age that said, whoa, wait a minute here. I got to figure this thing out. And then you got proactive. So, man, kudos to you for for recognizing that and taking that away, because that released you to be able to now go out there, be super proactive, learn this. And you're young enough to have the rule of 72 still be in your favor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Which is compound interest, guys. I know I throw that term out there, Mm -hmm. rule of 72. And for most people, I would say 80 percent. It goes over their heads, but it's compound interest. interest, And I teach that in my course. But. I, I think that's awesome. So again, but look, it took you, it took you, like you said, you lost 20 years. Right. In my eyes, I lost 20 years. So I had some, I had some, sorry, I had some catching up to do. So, um, I've been 
I don't think there was um, I can't really quantify how much energy I've put in I've put in to become just a better human being. Right. But also financial literacy, because and, and I think, guys, it's also all encompassing, because if you asked 100 100 people on your phone, right, if you if Kevin or anybody listening, if you pulled out your phone right now and you looked up 100 people on your contacts and you asked every single one of them, what's the number one problem you're having right now? What do you think their answer is going to be? Oh, so it's money. It's money. Right. Yeah. So it's all it's all encompassing. Right. And so um, in my eyes, my journey's not done. I'm I'm still I feel like I'm still catching up from that time that I lost. Um, so I still put in a massive amount of energy and effort into getting better and learning those things, because as you alluded to, it's it's not our fault that our parents didn't know they couldn't teach what they didn't know. But you know what else stinks is our government not they're intentionally keeping the wool over our eyes so that we don't learn these things. That's why people like you and I are so vital and important to the public, because literally the wool is being placed over their eyes intentionally, right? intentionally with things that are quote unquote normal to people like 401k. Yeah. In my opinion, is the one of the biggest ripoffs in human history. Um, student loan debt, another one of the wool over the eyes, right? Deferred uh, taxes, another. I mean, I know that's a good tool for a lot of people, right? right? But at the same time, if you don't understand the things that are out there, you're literally being a victim of your own on the circumstances because there is intentional deceit out there right now. There is, you know, but I always like to re- I rather look at the glass half full than half empty. Now, I agree with you 100 percent how you described it. But the fact of the matter is, guys, it is not illegal to learn financial literacy and do the same things with your money as the wealthy and the elite do. We all have, it's the same game. We're all playing the same game and the rules are the same for everybody, depending where you're at in the game. So it's not like you can't get up there and be as wealthy as you want to be. Once you learn how to play the game and know the rules, right? That's one of the things that I teach a lot of my clients. I say, Hey, look, if we want to do what the wealthy, if we want to have what the wealthy have, we have to do what they do. Right. Right. And so, um, you have to know the rules of the game, at least to have a fighting chance after that, the rest is up to you, but at least it would be nice to know the rules. So you have a fighting chance. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly what I like to teach because, You know, I always say we start playing games when we're five, six, seven years old. And I just use the example of, you know, say checkers, right? Super simple game. If you don't know the the first time you see checkers when you're five or seven years old, all you see is uh, black and red squares. You got some chips. You're like, what do you do? Right. And then it has to be explained to you. And you're like, yeah, that's pretty simple. Okay, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And you lose your first couple of times and then you get better at the little small strategy that it takes to win that game. Mm -hmm. But what happens is you couldn't play that game until you knew the rules. Right. Or you were going to lose. And that's the same thing in life with money. Until you learn the rules of money, you're not going to win. Right. You could go out there and make money. There's a lot of people that make plenty of money, but don't do the right things with it. They end up broke. Yeah. Yeah. They just end up broke. Yeah. I, I like to use athletes as as an example, mm-hmm. right? They work their whole life, strive to be the best, whatever athlete, baseball, basketball, whatever. They make millions of dollars, but no one ever taught them about money. So they go spend it like it's an endless you know, bucket. And what happens to 80% of them? Broke. broke. They're broke. They and when they get they out, when they, they finish. They enter my, my profession afterwards. A lot of them they become do. professional uh, insurance. Man. <laughs> they do. They do. Well, because, you know, they're athletes. Which, you apply the same uh, principles. Yeah. Well, the great thing about athletes, they make great business owners because their work ethic is like superior to most people. Because right. you don't become a professional anything unless your work ethic is right. sick. Right? Well, let me take it down a notch, too. Um you know, back down to, to our, our, our atmospheres, even look at your neighbors. I mean, the, I've been in so many homes where the outside looks amazing, you know, Beamer, Mercedes in the, in the garage, five bedroom house, kids all running all ra- around the place. And when you break down their finances, they're, they're broke. They got I mean, I, I had a client who had literally 25 credit cards and her husband was working overtime, picking up overtime shifts just to pay the interest on, on, on the, uh, on the, on the cards. credit cards. Yeah. But the outside looked amazing. Right. And right. so I encourage people not to compare themselves, especially to their, their peers, their coworkers, or even their neighbors, because guess what? They're probably just as worse off as, as anybody else. No, I agree. And, and, and I've done the same thing and 
But it's like you alluded earlier, when you first started working at 14 and you're making money, you're like, I made 500, I'm going to go buy 500 bucks worth of stuff, Mm -hmm. whatever that stuff was. And that particular concept rolls through people's lives well into their 40s, 50s, Mm -hmm. 60s. And they wonder like, well, I'm 58, 9, 62, I should be retiring. I don't have, why don't I have any money? And the simple fact of the matter is you don't have any monies because you didn't do the right. And you've heard this your whole life to do the right things with money, play the game correctly. It does. You don't have to save a lot of money. You just have to start saving early, mm-hmm. right? To be able to have a nice chunk of money at 50, between 50 and 60 years of age. So um, great point. Great point. Don't judge the book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Most people that you know slash live around on the inside are struggling mm-hmm. to. Um, you got to think about this, too. Also, where are they getting their advice, their financial advice from? They're not getting any. Well, That's the problem. Well, they're getting it from their friends, their neighbors, their broke uncles or HR. And HR is just, HR's not just as bad that. as they are. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and, but when you say financial advice, well, they, they probably just they probably are asking, "Hey, would you invest in? I got to make some you, money. Where do you put your money? At, where, right? Yeah, where do you yeah. put your money? They're not really giving them, you know, any type of. Uh, and you should never give financial advice unless you're a, a trained, licensed professional. Right. And even then, guys, I want you to understand financial a financial advisor, right? A good one. Won't even talk to you unless you got a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. You get, if you, there's a financial advisor out there, you say, let's say you got ten or twenty thousand bucks saved. You're like, man, it took me two years. I got twenty grand. I better go get a financial advisor. See what I do. Or even if you have something small like a hundred bucks a month to invest, they won't even. Sniff they you. won't talk to you. They won't talk to you. Understand those guys. They make money in your money. And when you don't have much money, they can't, they're not looking to make $3 a month off you, mm-hmm. right? They want to talk to the people who have a hundred, six, you got to have six figures or more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a for-profit business. They're trying to make money, mm-hmm. plain and simple. So you can do, the best things you can do is uh, is learn financial literacy. Number one, the basics. And I teach, listen, first get financially secure, strive for financial independence, and then you can go after financial freedom. But most people want to go to financial freedom first. And I go, now nah, you're starting at the wrong end of the stick here. You know, get your get yourself in the right position, you know, last year and we're still in COVID. But when it, you know, it all came uh, clamoring down on us and everybody got laid off or go home and work from home. People are struggling because they had no financial security. Mm -hmm. They were living check to check. And this is why, you know, this country's in the position it is. But there's still a lot of money, a lot of money out there. A lot of people still making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's I don't believe our country is as bad off as people as the news wants to tell you. Well, here's another thing, too, is um, don't buy into the hype. Because although there are always losers during these crashes and, and downtimes, guess what? There's always winners, too. Well, so you know, ask yourself what side of the coin you want to be on the next time it comes around, because I'm going to profess right here in live, you know, live air. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if it's when it's when exactly. You know, I know. Uh, I mean, I follow Grant. I love Grant Cardone. He's he, he can definitely motivate the crap out of you. But uh, he's got a term that says it, um, you know, money doesn't disappear. It just changes hands. Mm-hmm. So if you lost money, it's not like that money's gone. Right. It's just somebody else has Someone's it. getting it. So all the money that, you know, you're hearing on the news that is gone, guess where it went? To a bunch of other people, people who have who a lot more money. Exactly. You know, we live in a city right now. I'm in real estate and it's booming like crazy. And everybody's wondering, where are people getting all this money to buy those houses? I'm like, hey, all you guys that are losing, you're making all those other people a lot of money. They're out there. Buying houses. There's there's opportunity and yeah. um, it's going to have ill consequences. Let's let's face it. Right. But at the same time, the government's printing money like it's going out of style. Right. So, again, it's going to somebody's pockets. Yes. So whose pocket is it? Do you want it to go into yours or somebody else's? Exactly. Right? We're in an opportunistic time. And the opportunity is you're going to lose opportunity. You're going to watch it pass you by or you're going to get on that on that train. Yeah. Let's segue into goals. You know, as you explained your story and in doesn't really tell your early 30s, tell you figured out, holy mackerel, this is how I got to play the game. Talk to me between the ages of, say, 15 to 30, that 15 year gap. Was goals even a part of what you did? Did you even think about setting goals and structurally setting them correctly? They were, but they weren't. They were called. So they were goals. But if you really peel the layers back, they were wishes. They were dreams. Right. They were just wishes. Oh, one day I'm going to own X, Y, Z. One day we're going to do this. Right. Those are wishes. None of those things ever came to fruition. Um, I think the only, uh, besides having children, right, but the only other 
uh, thing that I have to show for that gap in time is that I bought a house. And luckily, and what did I say? During crashes, there is opportunity and loss. I bought my house during the crash because the government was saying, hey, we'll give you eight grand towards your first home. I said, shoot, let's sign me up. Let's do it. Right. Right. Again, how many people did not take that opportunity? So, again, for for people who are listening, it's not if, but when. But when it does happen, just know that there is going to be opportunity. Keep your eyes peeled because you need to be able to capitalize on that. Um, But, yeah, I would say as far as goals, nothing tangible except for wishes and wishes and wishes. Do you write your goals down? Now, again, perspective has changed. So now we have tons of goals. Um, I do write down all of my goals. Uh, I actually, before, you know, before my my, my new journey here, I, I never read a book. I never carried a, I never used a, a day planner, a calendar, nothing. Now I cannot live with any of those things. I mean, I literally walk around those things all day long. I feel actually, I feel lost without those things. Um, because that at least it keeps me in the perspective and it keeps me focused because partially why a lot of people are in the situation they're in is because their focus is not on the important things, right? Their focus is on entertainment. It's on outlets. It's right. If we're stressed and pressured, you know, what's going to make me feel better now? It's that immediate, um, uh, instant gratification, right? So if you can put sensible goals, tangible goals, and you can keep focused on those things, they will eventually happen. And um, if you're aware that some of these goals might take a little bit longer and you play play that long-term game, then once that does hit, man, it's, it's magical. It is. So goals, people don't realize, are the foundation of where you're going to be tomorrow, next year, in 10 years. And the theme with goals, and Harvard did a study, that uh, the people who actually write their goals down versus people who don't write them down, the people who write them down will actually earn 10 times more money in their mm-hmm. lifetime. Yeah. 10 it's, times. Statistically, they they, so they, like, they hit their goals. It's, it's just that important. So when you're out there, and like, and like Steve was saying, don't confuse a goal with a wish. Or a dream. And it's okay to dream and wish things, but you convert a wish or a dream to a goal by having an action plan, right? I want to go to Italy next summer for two weeks. Okay. Is that all you're going to do? Then it's a dream and a wish. Right. If you say to yourself, I want to go to Italy next year for two weeks in August. Okay. Let's do some homework. How much is the airfare? Let's look that up. Okay. Right. How much is it going to cost me to stay in whatever hotel you find that you looks good to you? Okay. There's a dollar amount. Right. Okay. I need, I'm going to eat. I got to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner on my vacation. That's not a refrigerator for me to go in there. So, all right, let me calculate those dollars on down the line. And you're going to say, okay, for me to go to Italy for two weeks next week with my spouse, or it could be your family, whoever you've done the math. Now you've got a number. And I'll just use a round number. Let's say that two weeks is $20,000. Okay. Well, today I made, I had a wish to go. Now I'm making an action plan. And that's 12 months from now. It's $20,000. Let me divide 20000 by 12. Mm-hmm. That's how much money I have to save over and above paying my bills and putting right. my other money away into savings and, and whatever you might be investing in. That's what it's going to take to go to Italy for two weeks. Yeah. All, all of my goals, Kevin, are uh, reverse engineered. That's what we just talked, right? Yep. Reverse engineer. That's a that's an actual goal that you can meet, mm-hmm. and you could do this with everything you that you have in your lives, guys. Whether it's paying off debt, you know what? I've had my car five years. I probably want to get one next year. What's it going to take? Boom! And just reverse engineer all these numbers down to it's a monthly thing that you're going to have to put away or debt pay off. Right. Even or if people, invest. even if people feel like they're stuck at where they're at financially currently. Right. So a lot of people are going to feel like, well, I only make 20 bucks an hour. How am I ever going to squeeze more out of it when I'm barely surviving now? Right. Great question. So if that's the case, well, either you can cut back on some spending. Right. Have cleaner habits or make extra money and. um you know, not that you have to quit your day job, but there's always, again, there's an abundance of opportunity to make side money, right? And so, again, reverse engineering, if you feel like you need an extra $1,000 a month, well, how can I come up with an extra $1,000 a month part-time, right? Right. So, 
figure out how many hours you have to spend at, on a weekly basis, how much money you can spend, however. And again, reverse engineer that. And then you can say, you know what? When I first came up with this wish, it seemed very unattainable. Now that I've got a game plan to make an extra such and such for the next two years or whatever, it's very obtainable now. You know, it's it's funny because, you know, my daughter came to me the other day and because uh, she's been in her condo now a little over a year. And she goes, Dad, my roommate just told me she's moving out. And she, my daughter's freaking out. I said, well, don't freak out. I go, one, I know you're financially secure, which means you have enough money to pay your bills on your own for six months. But she's very like, no touch that money. Right. No, 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 no. And she's freaking out. And so she gets a, uh, just got a new roommate, but she's paying $100 less a month. And I go, well, what do you, she goes, what am I going to do? I says, well, I want it's the it's the mindset around the the the, the uh, situation the problem that you have at hand. Don't try to cut back on this that or the other thing. I I hate thinking that way. If I need more money, I'm going to go make, make more, more money. Yeah, making more money solves problems, not cutting back. Not only that, so make more money. It stretches you to become better than what you are now. One yes. thing too about goals is you cannot attain your goals. By being the person you are right now, you are where you're at right now because of who you are right now. Right. If you want to get better, you have to be better. Right. Um, one thing that I've noticed here um, since I really started taking a lot more accountability is that um, looking back here the last three years, three or four years, I can tangibly see my level up. But that's because I put myself in a position to where I had to stretch myself to become better. Right. So, like you said, don't don't just, you know, not eat or, or don't go on a ramen diet and bread and bread and water. Right. Just right. get better and make more money. How do you do that? You put yourself in a position to where you have no choice. The last three houses that I've that I've lived in. Rent went up like 500 bucks intentionally, right? I didn't, it's not like the, the landlord said, Hey, we're increasing your rent. I just wanted to put myself into a better situation. And it so happened that it cost more to get in that situation. So I had to determine, am I going to stay where I'm at and be where I'm at forever? Or do I have to put myself in a position to get stretched out so that I can become better? And then I'd be, I, now I feel like I'm earning where I'm, where I'm at, if that makes sense. So what you just described, so you guys out there listening is he had a mindset shift, right? My first module in my training course is on mindset and it's, it's the most vital of all of the chapters. If you don't get your mindset correct, you're going to have a very difficult time in life. Now your mindset like you had a mindset shift, right? Your mindset will shift in your lifetime. You're not going to have one mindset for your whole life, right? But you've got to understand the fundamentals uh, mindset that you should have is a growth mindset and not a fixed mindset. So your growth mindset allowed you to make a change right? versus someone's fixed mindset will say, well, I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. What am I going to do? I just did a video. It's on my YouTube channel uh, on 2021 side hustles. The top 40 side hustles. And it, it, the, I would out of the 40, I believe 30 of them were all related to technology. So to me, in my mind, I do not believe there isn't anybody out there that is able to go out there and make more money as a side hustle because you're running short for meeting a goal, for meeting your bills, for whatever the reasons are that you need or slash want more money. We're all able to do that as long as, and even if when I say able, some, some of these things we all can do, it's nothing physical, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you have, if your mind is sound and you have access to a computer and the internet, you have, you have options to make money, mm -hmm. right? Uh, via online. It's a great video. Um, you guys can go watch it on my YouTube channel, fintel.com, and, uh, it, and it'll trigger some good things for you. So um, that mindset shift is critical. Mindset is just so critical. So when you're setting your goals, write them down, look at them daily if you can. Always thinking about it. What's my goals? What am I doing? Because they will shift. But we're all human. They're not going to be exactly the same all the time. Great, great advice right there, Steve. Let's shift into investing. Awesome. Talk, talk to me about how old were you when you think you made your first. And when I say investing, let's call it because there's active and passive investing um, and your And if you buy a home, that's obviously an investment and your home is growing and creating value for you by equity. But talk to me about what type of investing, how old were you when you got into it and what got you into investing? 
Are we talking monetary investing? Yeah, money. Okay. Um, I actually don't invest. Um, let me reverse that. I invest, but not in securities. Um, you know, I just invest into my uh, into my permanent life insurance policy. Um, one thing that I I will never say is that I, I I don't I don't make people rich, but what I do is I do ensure that people never go broke. So I am more on the slow slow growth, um, you know, secure growth. I, I make sure that my not only me, but I make sure that my clients also, when the world goes to crap, at least they're not losing. When the whole world's losing, they might not be winning much, but at least they're not in the in the same boat as the people who are losing. Um, so that that's where usually I put my monetary investments. But at the same time, as I'm building a business, that's usually I'd say about 99 percent of my excess income is going into the business because that's that's my retirement. That's what I'm either going to pass on to my children or I'm going to live off of like my dad did. Right. Um, so I'd say, you know what? Let me reverse that. My investment right now is going into the business um, that I'm building right now. OK. Other, other than that, though, my other monetarily monetary investments go in, into me. I invest into myself. Right. And what, that's through, you know, seminars, uh, courses like the ones that you're offering, mm-hmm. um, mindset, things like that. Books. Books. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all investment in, in yourself. And, and sometimes, it, you know, you got to spend money to invest in yourself uh, for growth uh, as a just as a human. And so when I talk about investing, you know, Warren Buffett says, if we don't learn how to make money while we sleep, sleep yeah. we will work until we die. It's a fact because it's a mathematical certainty um, for ninety nine point nine percent. There are always exceptions to the rule. But if you're an exception to that rule, it's because you are probably the valedictorian in your school. You're just a wizard of a, of a human, right? Just your IQ is silly high and people are paying you a ridiculous amount of money. There right. are CEOs out there that make millions a year yeah. um, just because they're super, you know, I call them wizards. Right. But other than that, we all have to learn how to invest. Right. Whether if you're investing in yourself to if it's a course so you can be better at your at your um your company, right? You want to grow your company. You want to service people better. I'm going to invest in myself to be a better company. I could charge more money. I'll make more money. That's an investment. But when I talk about investments, right? And you alluded to things like the 401k, um, which I agree with you. You know, they just found out when they did the studies, the 401k didn't even come to fruition until the the mid seventies. And it, it had to be in effect for 35 years until they looked back and did the math. And they said, whoa, wait a minute here. This isn't what we thought it was. The godfather of the 401k. Yeah, he admitted. said he made a mistake. He made a mistake. <laughs> he made a mis, well, he called it a miscalculation. So I don't want to get real deep into it. It's a whole different subject. And I don't want to detour people because um, depending where you're at, where free you're working, you do good. get free money, meaning right. they match. Right. But I just like I want you guys to understand out there for the, the ones that have 401ks. A 401k is not mandated by your employer. He doesn't have to match you. And in 2008 is the best example when, you know, the economy took a really, you know, downturn here. All of those companies, they had to start cutting expenses. And that was the very first expense. Um, Yeah. Cut the matching off right now. we got to stop the bleeding, so to speak. And they stopped matching. And understanding that you are in full control of your 401k, meaning um, there's, there's been a lot of different, um, articles, 60 minutes has done a big piece on it that you guys are in control of your 401ks, meaning you decide where that money goes, what sectors that you want it to go. You decide if you want, there's an actual pause button on your 401k. And because, and, and so some, I talk to people out there, they're like, Hey, I lost 80% or 90% of my 401k. And someone else says, well, I only lost 25%. Right. Right. Like, hey, how how and why did that happen? Well, because this person's in full control of their 401k, meaning you guys with your 401ks out there. It's like you think of it as your checkbook. God knows you check your checkbook on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Right. What do I have? Right. Right. Um, but you have, no, but you nobody inspect what you expect. Yeah. That's, that's my motto. Yeah. And, and people don't look at their. They get hired. They go to HR. They say, sign here. What are you? Aggressive, passive, you know, investor type of thing. And then they never look back. Right. They set it and forget it. And you can't do that with a 401k. So I feel uh, bad for the ones who put in more than the match, too. Yeah. They, that, that's so, you know, when I'm doing my my um, my need analysis, for my clients, mm-hmm. that's what that's actually a vital part of my process is finding out their current assets and what they're doing with their money. Um 
you know, when it comes to the, to the 401k, there's a couple of things that I normally just ask. And the first one is, do you like sending the IRS money? And who's nobody says yes. Right. Right. But not knowing that when, when it's time for you to retire, that's when you pay the piper. And what, what's our interest environment right now, Kevin? Uh, lowest it's been in like ever history history and the only way the government's ever going to make money no don't get me wrong they don't really make money but the only time they're ever going to recoup some money is either if they print it which is what's going on right now and what is that going to cause of the future Uh, if somebody's going to pay it back and guess who that somebody is it's our dreads our children grandchildren Uh, right so eventually the only other thing the only other way that they can recoup money is through taxes right so if the taxes in generalistic terms are going to be higher in the future and we're going to retire in the future and you don't like paying uncle sam then why are you using vehicles where you're going to be on the hook to pay him when you're retired and don't get me wrong too the number one fear in retirement is running out of money so if we know that these vehicles are going to do this to us why do we continue to go back to those things over and over again because they're sold a dream Exactly. Right. And, and and I talk about this, you know, what retirement means. Right. And I ask people um, in, in my workshop, I'll say, hey, what age is retirement? And what do you think they all do? Or what they do you think say they something say in the 60s? Yeah. Right. And I said <laughs> and I tell them all that's a trick question. Yeah. Right. Because it is a trick question. Mm-hmm. First of all, all you guys understand retirement is not an age right. period. It's retirement. True. Let me repeat that. Retirement is not an age retirement and, and, and there, and again, and I'm going to preface this by there, there is no right or wrong answer here because your retirement, my retirement, Steve's retirement are three different retirements. There are people out there in, in America today that are whatever age that decided, you know what? $2,000 a month. Good for me. That's mm-hmm. my lifestyle. I'm happy as a clam. I don't need no more. Right. And there's people out there that say I need 25 K a month. I can't retire unless I earn 25 K a month. Right. And so until your money, can make that much money, that's when you're retired. And you don't have to be an age for that. There is no age. It's just when your money does it. That's why I warn about you. Until your money makes money while you sleep, you're going to work till you die. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about, I like to classify in as the asset protection, as you're trying to protect people, protect their their wealth, um, their assets, right? This is a whole other conversation. But um, you're talking about deferred taxes. And I'm a big believer. I mean, there was at one point in time in this country to the tax rate for the wealthy was at 90 percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally took 90 cents of every dollar you, you made. Even for the middleman in the like 40s and 50s, it was, you know, 60, 70, 60, 70. Was normal. That was normal. You know, and that's why right now with interest rates, as far as buying things, what the, what the banks are willing to loan at is that historic lows. Um, but it, it will go up and like Steve and I, we're in the same belief. I don't know about you guys, but I do not have a crystal ball that tells me what my tax rate's going to be when I'm 70 years old. Right. I don't know it. And so I'm not going to bank on putting my money in the deferred account that when I get there, Hey, we're still at this low interest rate because mm-hmm. we may not be. Yep. And therefore I may not have saved enough money. But that being said, I don't save money. I put money to work because retirement, you guys out there, it's not how much money you can save. I want you to picture and imagine right now a bucket and it's full of money to the top and you put a hole in the bottom of it and it starts to trickle out. At one point in time, the bucket's empty. My bucket, guess what? My bucket, it doesn't have a lot of cash flow in it, but guess what? A lot of cash in it. My my bucket has cash coming in it consistently. So it'll never drain out. That's retirement. Retirement is income. But your income is not you trading time for it. Your income is your money making for it. That's that's the goal in life. That's financial literacies that teach you not to trade time for money for your whole life and try to save dollar X at whatever age you think you want to retire and that you're going to have enough. Because another thing that we don't know is we don't know our last day on this planet. True. But I can tell you statistically, we're all living longer. Yeah, that's why life insurance rates are cheaper now than they were. We all live longer. <laughs> we all live longer. People are living to 90 and 100 years old. Right. You know? So, I mean, all those things really, really come into play. And we have to think about those things when we start thinking, shaping our mindset around money. What are we going to do with the money? How are we going to set our goals correctly? How are we going to reach our goals? How are we going to, how and where are we going to invest? Right. 
You have to invest. Invest is the fuel to your future. If you do not invest your money, you will never be wealthy. And wealthy is an open term also. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're never going to be financially independent and let alone financially free. Right. Right. I was going to say that's that's what where the mindset should mindset should start changing for people is change the word retired to financially independent. Ask yourself. If it wasn't yesterday, today, or tomorrow, at what age would I feel comfortable in hanging it, hanging it up, right? Walking away from whatever profession you're doing. Then how much money am I going to want to live on for the rest of my life, no matter what? How much money? On a monthly basis, whatever, yearly basis, figure that out. And obviously, goals do change along the way, but at least come up with a base base idea, right? A baseline, yeah. Um, and then when you hit that goal... That is financial independence, meaning that no matter whether you crawl out of bed that morning or not, it does not affect your finances. That doesn't mean, you know, if if you decide you don't want to get up and roll out of bed that day, at least because you're financially independent, your bills are still paid. Food still gets on the table, right? Retirement for most people, it's just a glorified term for unemployed, right? Because when when those funds do run out, they're going to Walmart checking receipts. And who wants to do that? They're not there because they like to, I promise you. They're there because they, they didn't prepare and because they, they have to be they there. They have to be there. Yeah, great. No, awesome. You know, it, it's really awesome. The space that you're in, mine's a similar space. I mean, I'm in real estate and I love doing real estate, but my passion now is teaching financial literacy. And guys, my course looks like it's going to be out somewhere in the first part of May. And I'll definitely let all you guys know about it. Um, and you can go to fintel.com to check it out. But um, super excited for it. Super excited to help people. What you do is help people. What I do is help people. We just want to help people to get on the right track. And it can be done. I shared, you know, you don't know my daughter's story, but, you know, she, here's a gal who's 21 years old, makes 15 bucks an hour, bought her first house. She's financially secure. I mean, she has enough money to pay her bills for six months if something were to happen or whatever. And she's never made more than 15 bucks an hour. So when I hear people like, I don't make enough money, what do you make? Well, you know, my wife and I make, you know, about 85 grand a year. I'm like, no, you make plenty of money. You're just not doing the right things with money. Right. Right. Because no one ever taught you. No one ever taught you. Well, shoot, Steve, that was awesome. I think I think um, what we just gave to the audience, they got a lot to chew on. Plenty. A lot to chew on. But don't worry, guys. I'm here every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, a new one comes out. So do me a favor. If you're on YouTube and you're watching this thing, hit that smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button and come out and listen to more of these conversations. I definitely have a lot more uh, guests coming out, talking about their stories, talking about how they're, I like to call putting a dent in the world and helping people. So, uh, again, I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Take care. Have a good week. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things that did wrong with it. And uh, how, how did they really come about getting their mindset with money? So uh, every episode's different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor, hit the like button, smash the like button and subscribe to my channel because every episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care and uh, we'll talk to you next week.